Hey regulars, Charlie here. We all spend a lot of time thinking about what we eat, but what about what we drink? Well, our friends at Congan Water have an answer for you. When you call 800-494-8685 or visit Conwater, that's K-A-N-Water.com, you can learn more about the Congan Water machine and to check out their specials on air purifiers. Congan Water has been around for 50 years and has expanded into nine countries, which shows that they really do have the staying power to outlast all their competition. The Congan Water machine is the only real ionizer on the market. The rest, unfortunately, are nothing more than a mass produced water filter. While Kangen water is great for hydration, you can use it for all sorts of other health benefits, whether that be reducing acid reflux, migraine headaches, joint aches and pains, low energy, gout, and even muscle pain. Its antioxidants neutralize free radicals in your body and keep your immune system strong, while its alkaline properties balance the pH level of your body and keeps you healthy. If you drink a lot of energy drinks and have a very acidic diet, Kangen water is a must. You can even use the water for weight loss. There are weight loss plans that rely on Kangen's alkaline water exclusively, but even without a plan, the water will help help you lose weight. So if you're interested in improving your health and boosting your hydration, call 800-494-8685 or visit conwater.com. That's K-A-N-Water.com to learn all about the Kangen Water Machine and to check out their specials on air purifiers. Again, these deals will not last, so be sure to call and let them know that the regular Joe Show team sent you. Fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape, we're the superpowers. Not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone. Made in the USA. This is the regular Joe Show. Well, hello there and welcome Joe Giganti, your regular Joe, live and in person on this happy hump day. It is the 28th day of February, but not the last day of February. It is a leap year. You know, I don't know that. I guess it's significant to some. If you were born on the 29th, I imagine it's pretty significant. I don't, I, I mean, officially, I know they just move your, you celebrate your birthday on the 28th or the 1st, but I mean... I, is there any kind of weird legal issue? Like when you turn 18, when you're born on the 29th, do they really say, well, you're not 18 yet? I, I, anyway, kind of a random thought. We've got plenty going on. I'm happy to be back after a day of trying to recover from some gunk. Uh, you know, it wasn't COVID, I can tell you that much. But whatever these, there's some interesting viruses running around. That's all I can tell you. But back at it again. They gave it their best shot. They failed. I'm back in the broadcast here once again. Happy to be here. We've got plenty to talk about. What were the results in Michigan? Are you wondering who won? Are you are you thinking that Hickey Nelly pulled out a surprise win? Well, yeah, of course you're not. We, we're too smart for that. Hunter Biden will be on Capitol Hill today. We'll see if that generates anything of any interest or news. Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears stands strong in Virginia. More on the Lake and Riley murder and more immigration-related murders. When will the insanity on the border end? Well, when the Democrats get serious. We'll get into that. But first, it is seven minutes after the hour, which means right now in New York City, it is 9.07 a.m. In Zimbabwe, 4.07 p.m. Afghanistan, the quagmire on top of the FUBAR, 6.37 p.m. And in Tokyo, it is 11.07 p.m. That is your new and improved Biden Crime Family Time Check TM, the regular Joe Show, brought to you as it always is at the top of each and every broadcast hour to ensure 
that one can never claim ignorance that somehow they are unaware of the crooked as a rat's hind leg that the Biden crime family is. Those just a few of the locales uh, that they deviate, do business as. So we usually have busy, busy days. Today's going to be doubly busy because uh, yesterday we had to do a best of. As I said, I was I was out sick. Uh, despite what some people said, I wasn't taking the day off to play golf. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I could have done that in the afternoon. No, I, I really, I Monday, as Charlie will attest to, I got hit like a brick, a ton of bricks, uh, and just wasn't able to get in here yesterday. Uh, none of our guest hosts were available, so we had to do a best of. So I've got to do two days' worth of of topicality in one show. I'm up to the task, as I know you are, but plenty to cover today and uh, looking forward to getting through as much of it as we can. Always good to be with you. As I said, I am Joe Giganti, your regular Joe. You can be a part of it, 888-737-1737. 888-737-1737 is the number. You can call or text that number or emails to joe at regjoeshow.com. Joe at regjoeshow.com. There's a lot going on uh, in the next couple weeks. Speaking of the website, uh, you definitely want to check it out. This Saturday, I will be at Bags for Bravery with the the winner of uh, our, our, matter of fact, yesterday. I understand the morning show did their... Do you know what their total was? Did you get, well, hey, text Rob. Do you have Rob's number? All right, well, we have to find out. The morning show on our flagship in Green Bay, they also auctioned off a Bags for Bravery event. As I said, it's not a competition. but It's competition. I was out sick, so I didn't, I didn't catch yesterday's show, uh, so I don't know how they did. So it'd be interesting to know <clears throat> exactly what uh, what the total was. But we will be there all day on Saturday That'll be a great event. There's also going on this weekend for those that want to take part in the Recall Voss efforts. They are doing a big signature gathering celebration. Food and drink will be provided Saturday and Sunday. Go to recallvoss.com to find out about it. And then in the coming weeks, some uh, some great opportunities. I have it up on the website. If, uh, if you want to come out and meet Alex Brusowitz, uh, he will be at the Brown County Republican Lincoln Reagan dinner on March 16th. Uh, I will be attending. I'm not speaking at that one, but I am speaking at and emceeing on Saturday, March 23rd, the Wapaka County Republican Party Lincoln Reagan Trump dinner, uh, which Alex will also be at. Those details all online. Uh, tickets are required for all those events. So click through the links, get your tickets while they, if they're, I haven't checked recently, if they're still available. They may, they may well be sold out. I know at Brown County, they have Marjorie Taylor Greene coming in as well. Uh, they've got uh, state uh, Senate candidate Eric Hubdy will be there, among a bunch of others. Uh, so it's going to be, both are going to be very big events and uh, looking forward to seeing you out there as well. All of which to say, check the website on a regular basis, regjoeshow.com. We have links to our socials, as well, almost all of them. We don't have the truth link up there yet, but it's at Show. On truth, but uh, check it out. The latest happenings can be found there, so you are in the know. Now, I I was trying to figure out where to start in terms of some of the good news because there's been some good news over the past couple days. Although, I mean, there's certainly been some some dark pieces of news that have been coming out. We continue to see the you know the efforts to have a two tier justice system of justice 
uh, that you know continues to confound people how one could possibly uh, turn to turn a blind eye, but it does happen. But a couple of the headlines we'll dig into on the good news side. Winsome Sears is one. Uh, I'll probably do that one in next hour. CBS got caught with their hands in the cookie jar. They've decided to return some of the documents to Catherine Heritage. I wonder why that's happening. But we'll, we'll get into that as well. But we'll start with this piece of good news. Ohio Republican Senator J.D. Vance has endorsed Arizona Republican Senate candidate Carrie Lake, who is facing a prospective three-way race in the Grand Canyon state against incumbent Sen- uh, Senator Kristen Sinema and a likely Democratic nom- uh, re- re- uh, representative nominee, Ruben Gallego. Now, Sinema may run as an independent. It's unknown. She was elected as a Democrat, left the party, and has yet to actually give her plans on what's going to happen. Uh, the state is generally, of course, regarded as a toss-up, a battleground state for the White House, as well as control of the upper chamber, being the United States Senate. J.D. Vance, as you may remember, is a kind of a firebrand, uh, MAGA Republican, uh, America First Republican that won an upset election in the state of Ohio. And uh, so from that point of view, it's a great endorsement to have. He's, of course, a supporter of Donald Trump and the endorsement, uh, you know, is a positive uh, development, although not unexpected. Vance said, Carrie Lake is a battle-tested warrior who will secure the border and advocate for policies that put the American people first. This, according to the Hill newspaper, Carrie is running against a far left Democrat who has been a rubber stamp for all of Brandon's, uh, he said Biden, but I just, you know, I'm editing on the fly. Destructive policies that have gutted the middle class. I am proud to endorse Kerry as the next U.S. Senate senator for Arizona. Subsequently, subsequently, Lake thanked Vance for his support, saying, quote, he has been a conservative hero in the Senate, standing up for America first values and never backing down to the D.C. swamp. In the 2020 midterm contest, Lake ran for governor and then Arizona Secretary of State uh, Katie Hobbs won a narrow victory. Uh, she has emerged, of course, uh, Carrie Lake, that is, as an election integrity reformer and very outspoken in a very positive way. I mean, now, you know, can juxtapose that to the fact that Car- Katie Hobbs, who is, of course, yet another rubber stamp for the left wing open borders chaos that they're trying to enact here in the United States, <clears throat> recently spoke out about measures that the state is trying to take to, to tamp down on illegal immigration in in Arizona. Now, again, given the effects that this has directly on the state of which she is supposed to be the chief executive of, state of Arizona, like Texas, like many of the states in that region of our country, is in fact a, a hotbed for illegal immigrant activities. You would think that this would be something she'd want to see. Well, no, she is vocalizing opposition, this according to JustTheNews.com in the center square. In a statement Monday, she criticized House Concurrent Resolution 2060, this is State House uh, Resolution, which is a push to have voters decide on a tightening of E-Verify laws to crack down on illegal immigration labor, as well as Senate Bill 1231 and House Bill 2821, as they propose stringent measures against people crossing into Arizona from Mexico besides when they enter through a port of entry. She emphasized that she is in disagreement 
<clears throat> with how the Biden regime has been managing the border crisis, but she doesn't apparently want to do anything about it, stating <clears throat> every Arizona is frustrated by the federal government's failure to secure our border, but passing job-killing anti-business bills. Now, I want you to just stop for a minute. This is your moment of absurdity, ladies and gentlemen. You have a left-wing progressive that suddenly cares about businesses and job growth. Now, notice the job growth that she's worried about killing is when it involves employing illegal immigrants, when it involves companies that make money off of what we have been told is, is one of two things, indentured servitude when these illegals are coming through, or sex slavery, one of the two. So this is, this is the kind of businesses, not that those individual businesses are doing that, but that these individuals, when they are crossing the border, it all goes to the cartels at this point, and that the way they pay off their debt is one of two ways. She said that instead of securing our border, these bills will simply raise costs, hurt our farmers, because, you know, prior to illegal immigrants, we could never farm in this country, put Arizona entrepreneurs out of business and destroy jobs for countless working class Arizonans. No, actually, it will open up jobs for countless working class Arizonans because they're not going to be taken by illegal immigrants, which who tend to be paid on the lower end of the scale. Not always, not always. So what you'd actually have without any benefit of a union is you'd have the opportunity to open jobs up to actual Arizonans that are citizens of this country. Potentially, you could see that it might inflate wages to be more competitive, to, to get people to come do those jobs. But of course she's against it, because this is the way of the left. Just like they're now, suddenly Joe Biden's going to the border tomorrow. Now, it's amazing. He chose a spot on the border that is one of the most least traveled speed parts of the border at this point. Because you know why? Because Texas put up a bunch of barbed wire and other, other things to to keep people out of the country, and it's working, which is very good news. It's actually working. So he's going to go there, and he's going to complain Republicans aren't willing to do anything to actually solve the border crisis because we have to give $60 billion to Ukraine to somehow secure our border. And all the while, his backdrop is going to be a location where, in fact, it was Republican policies in the form of Governor Abbott that have secured the border in that section. Now, the question is, are we going to fall for it or are we going to point out the abject hypocrisy that is Joe Biden, his puppet regime, and for that matter, the entirety of the Democratic Party? For me, uh, yeah, you can guess. I'm going to point out the abject hypocrisy. The regular Joe radio show. presidential news. Now, I mean, I'm sure you're thinking Michigan and Super Tuesday, which is now just less than a week away. But no, this is regarding another candidate, not Joe Biden, uh, not not Hickey Nally. Now, who's the uh, who's the holdout guy? What's his name? I always forget. The guy out of Minnesota. Who's the guy that uh, uh, I can never... It's so bad. I can never remember the guy's name. I feel bad. I mean, Dean Phillips. That's the one. Yes, Dean Phillips. I, I mean, 
what he got, 2% yesterday? God bless him, he's trying. No, but one that could be an interesting spoiler in the election, which is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, he has secured enough signatures to get on the ballot in Georgia and Arizona. Now, a moment ago, I just was sharing what was going on with Carrie Lake running for Senate, Katie Hobbs, who they claim won the election as the governor, the chief executive of the state of Arizona. She is really concerned about small businesses. And I can't say it with a straight face. This is part of, I think, something we need to do more of. Something that is required. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to just comment. They're, they're running a live feed of Joe Biden walking to, I guess, Marine One. Uh, so he takes Marine One just to get, wow, you're talking about carbon footprints. He's going to Walter Reed, which is like a 15-minute car ride from the White House. And he's taking the, the hill. Security, Joe. I'm pretty sure they can move him through a city. But uh, anyway, he's on the way to Walter Reed for a physical. Uh, now, why I find that interesting, what was he, did you look, Charlie? What was in his hand? You didn't see what was in his hand. He had a cup of coffee in his hand. Now, look, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn. But I've had a lot of physicals in my life. What is one of the things they tell you have to do before a physical, particularly the reason you tend to go early in the morning? If it is a full physical, you fast before you go in, which means only water. Why would he be carrying a coffee? I mean, I'm just, I'm no, this is not a conspiracy. I'm just pointing out that if he's drinking coffee on the way to his physical, I don't know how thorough the physical is going to be. Because, for example, if they take a urine sample, they're not going to want somebody that drank coffee. If they want to get an accurate A1C reading, they're not going to want him to have had coffee. Blood pressure is affected by the caffeine in the coffee. Just putting it. All right. Anyway, just happen to notice that. But I was saying a moment ago, part of what I think we need to do better and more of, and not in necessarily even a mean-spirited way or seemingly a mean-spirited way, is to laugh at the left when they make absurd theories, when they posit ridiculous things. For example, when someone who is as demonstrably ignorant as Katie Hobbs. She is not a smart human being. You listen to her talk, and you think she probably was like sitting next to Corinne Jean-Pierre in, in grade school, because they seem to have about the same IQ, which is to say a low one. But either way, when they make these absurd statements about, well, I care about small businesses and all the jobs that these will crush— these are, it's so ridiculous what she's saying. They are easily refuted. And I think one of the things you have to do is you have to mock it in, a, in an appropriate way because it's so ridiculous. And I, you know, we got a, a text message and I didn't get to, I, I addressed it a little bit on Monday. Uh, his name was Jason. He subsequently texted back and forth a few times about mocking and so forth. Part of why I do the nicknames and that I mock certain things in a certain way is to d demonstrate the absurdity of what we're being fed as reality. When Katie Hobbs says she's concerned about crushing small entrepreneurs and, and, and crushing the job market in the state of Arizona, 
By doing what? What is it that she's doing or that, that she proposes will do it? By securing our border. It's such an obvious thing to make fun of. Oh, we need illegals to be able to have any of these things in our country? It deserves mockery. It needs to be pointed out how absurd it is. The Regular Joe Show. Welcome, Joe Giganti, your regular Joe with you on this Wednesday. As we always say, a happy hump day that means something completely different to Hunter Biden than it does to the rest of us normal human beings here in the United States of America. He'll be on Capitol Hill in just a short time, at least that's what we're told. I imagine that he will say things like, I don't recall, uh, I don't know if he'll plead the fifth or not, but uh, he'll just, I don't, look, I would love to think that they will be able to get useful information out of him. I do think they should make him testify, uh, but we'll we'll have to see. He wants the transcript released almost immediately, which I'm also in favor of. Now, we were talking about immigration a moment ago. We were about to talk about Robert F. Kennedy. I'm going to put a pin in all that to talk to a good friend of mine at the show as well from the National Right to Work uh, Committee, President Mark Mix. He was just with us not that long ago, but since the last time we spoke to him, he was at the Conservative Political Action Conference, better known as CPAC. And uh, so we wanted to get kind of a bird's eye view of CPAC as well as learn a little more about the great work they're doing. Mark, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine, Joe. It's good to be with you again, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about uh, the stuff that is important to us. I know you've got a lot of stuff that's important to you, and and you have a responsibility to talk about lots and lots of things. But let's talk about uh, compulsory force unionism for a minute and how that impacts not only workers but uh, the American economy. Absolutely. And, and now, if I may, before you dig deep, Lynn, first, just you were at CPAC. I didn't get to go this year. Uh, I just wanted to ask now, there was some reporting from some outlets that CPAC was kind of, I, I don't want to, I, I, I'll use the word lackluster. Attendance wasn't as good, but then that report was pulled. That that article was pulled and they said that was not accurate. Uh, that in fact, it was one of the biggest ever. And there was a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. Uh, if you could kind of give us your top line, you were there, which which do you think is the more accurate description of this this all important event? Yeah, well, I think the lot the latter is. I mean, there was lots of energy there. I mean, the 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 lineup of speakers was unbelievable. I mean, former President Trump was there. All the the candidates that are being mentioned as vice presidential uh, candidates uh, or running mates with Trump were there. Uh, it was it was amazing. I mean, if you if you're interested in the conservative movement um, and you follow anyone who has podcasts, with be it Ben Carson, uh, Gorka, whoever it is, they were there, and uh, there was an enthusiastic group of folks there. I think. The, the media contingent was was fairly large too. So, I mean, they have an interest in following whether they support what was going on there or not. And I think there are those that attend that have a have a, a vested interest in in downplaying it for sure. Because you know, the American people, when they are actually confronted with the facts and what's actually going on, as opposed to what's been you know sanitized by the the most uh, the largest media operations in the country. I mean, they're there to get the real news, and I think they got a good chunk of it over the the, la- the three or four days or the three days that things were going on at CPAC. No. And, and just real quick to follow on that, uh, would you say overall people were positive in, in terms of, I mean, again, there's, I always say there's a lot of darkness, you know, there's a lot of difficulties. We're going to talk about some of them when it comes to what the unions are up to in a moment. But 
I always try to tell people, but yet, the, look, the, the Democrats are not as unified as you think. They are scrambling. They're very scared of what Joe Biden can't deliver, won't deliver. Uh, and, and I say there's more than enough reason to be optimistic that if we all work together, we can, in fact, prevail, take back our republic. Uh, would you say people are more optimistic or what was kind of that, the tone of, of the attendees? Well, one of the things that happens, Joe, at these events, you know, I, I have this theory called one downsmanship that uh, people that speak have to basically be have something worse than the person that spoke in front of them. <laughs> and there's lots of things to be discouraged about and a lot of things to be concerned about. But I think this is the this is the basics of, of the American experiment in self-government is there's always hope. And if you get out and you meet people and you talk to people and you see the compassion and the generosity of Americans, you know there's hope. But if you get caught up in the in the media cycle of, you know, the Washington Post, and the New York Times and, and ABC and NBC and CBS and CNN and MSNBC, I don't know who I miss. And even Fox News, frankly, Joe. No, yeah. Uh, you I, I call them the BlackRock News Network, just so you know. My nickname for yeah. Fox is the BlackRock News Network anyway, but go ahead. Yeah, but when you when you listen to show, local shows and shows that are in you know state capitals and states where you know folks live and breathe and have businesses and and are successful, you begin to recognize that you know there is hope and there has to be hope. And you know one of the things that uh, that I've believed in because we're going up against one of the biggest political forces in the country, and that is organized labor and the top union officials across the country. I mean, the other side has problems too. And frankly, with this candidate, they've got real problems and they know it. To your point, Joe. Well, and those just tuning in, talking to President uh, Mark Mix, the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, uh, who's at CPEC, but in perfect transition, you I mean, you talk about taking on a you know a big job. One of the things you guys battle with on a regular basis is organized labor. We always say that the mainstream media is the PR arm of the Democrat Party. Organized labor is kind of the hired thugs of the Democrat movement in a lot of ways in terms of how they try to organize and force their employees to be basically default members of the party. Yeah, that's the power that gives them the ability to be the uh, the de facto contributor to the Democrat Party. If you look at the money and you look at the the support of candidates that uh, union top union officials endorse, and it, there's no clearer example of that, Joe, than the United Auto Workers Union. At the beginning of this month, they came out and endorsed Joe Biden for president. Uh, this is 14 members of the UAW Executive Committee that made the decision on behalf of what is about 380,000 United Auto Worker Union members across the country. Of, of half of them are, you know, academics and graduate assistants and healthcare professionals across the country, not even automobile manufacturing workers anymore. But after they, that endorsement, after they announced it to great fanfare in, in the main media, um, Sean Fain went on television and was asked the question about, you know, hey, isn't there a disconnect between rank-and-file workers and union officials? And, and Sean Fain, in context, said this. He said, look, let me be clear. The great majority of our members are not going to be voting for Joe Biden. They're going to be voting their paycheck. And, you know, the follow-up to that was an NBC poll that was conducted back in January when the American people were asked, you know, who do you think is better able to manage the economy and help with, you know, workplace and paycheck-type issues? A 22 percent majority said Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. So if Sean Fain is accurate in saying his members are going to vote their paychecks and vote what, what works for them in the economy, it's clear that he was right when he said a great majority of his members are not going to be voting for Joe Biden, the very candidate they just endorsed and indicated they're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to get elected to the White House again. It, it really it is it is stunning because, as you said, the, the complete disconnect and it makes it I mean, to me, 
One of the things I don't understand, and, and I'm sure you probably have this this frustration at times, I, I, certainly with the work I do, you lay out what is, like you just did, you hear that, and how can you think anything but Sean Fain and his his ilk are utilizing what, you know, what was supposed to be something that an organization that's supposed to support the workers, prompt them up, protect them, take care of them. They're using it as nothing more than a political front organization, yet you can't generate the kind of response you would think that would give if, if people just understood how they're being abused. And, and I, it's just one of these things where I consistently, I'm like, how do you not see it? You laid it out perfectly. You could take, if you took 10 Democrats and you, you told them that, unfortunately, I think six out of 10 probably would be like, well, wait, what's what's the, you know, I don't understand. I don't think that's really happening. But yet it's right there in black and white. Their own membership doesn't want to support this guy, but they're using the money from their member dues to do just that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's that's one of the primary injustices of forced unionism is the forced political conformity and the forced ideological association that comes with the idea that you must associate with the union and then to add insult to injury, pay them dues or fees in order to work. And, and, and the, you know, the dichotomy between the views of the top union officials. Remember, it was not just that long ago that the top boss of the AFL-CIO, the umbrella of all, you know, the largest unions in the country, was a card-carrying member of the Democratic Socialist Society. America. I mean, John Sweeney proudly showed it when he was asked about it. And the idea that most rank-and-file union members, whether they be operating engineers or Teamsters or United Auto Worker Union members, you know, that they had the same ideological views as, as the, of a democratic social of America is just absolutely absurd. In fact, President Donald Trump would not have been elected if he hadn't won Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania back in 2016. And he probably couldn't have won those, those states without the support of rank-and-file union members, oh, despite the fact that the unions uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton and said, you know, she's the one. Um, so there's another prime example of, of this in play, and it's wrong. But because, Joe, union officials rely on government power, whether it be in Washington or Madison or Sacramento or wherever it comes from, their power is a derivative of government action. That's why they have to play in politics, and that's why they have to assure themselves that they have, quote, you know, union boss buddies like Joe Biden in the White House because their power is a derivative of government action, not necessarily the, the adherence of workers who want to join them because they'll do great things. They're more focused on the political floor than they are on the shop floor, and that's a wrong recipe for American unions. You know, when you mentioned a few moments ago, you mentioned the AFL-CIO. Whenever I hear that, I can't help but think, and, and by the way, I think it's demonstrative of how long this this game has been played. Uh, 1947, the original Miracle on 34th Street, uh, Gene Lockhart, who played the Honorable Henry X. Harper, the judge, is talking to William Frawley, who played Charlie Holleran, his political, uh, you know, uh, Seuss and, 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 and Sayer, uh, who, was, by the way, was Fred Mertz off of I Love Lucy. I was just going to ask you, that's, it, that's Fred. Yeah, right? it's Fred, so Fred, Mer yeah, Fred, Fred Mertz. But <laughs> so Gene says, well, you know, what I got to do? The guy's crazy. And then Frawley goes, wait a minute. And he goes, go ahead and say Santa Claus is crazy. And then he, he goes to this litany. But the big killer that gets Harper to actually hold the trial is that Frawley says, and then you'll have the AFL of CIO on your back when, they, when there's nobody, they can't make any toys because there's no one buying toys because they don't believe in Santa. 
Santa Claus anymore. And it just shows you, I mean, as long ago as that was, 1947, that because the, the position of judge in this case is one that's elected in New York. And he immediately goes, oh, yes, I guess we'll have a trial because he didn't want to upset the <laughs> AFL-CIO even back then, showing that, that you know, how they utilized their, their money and, and their influence to, to try to, you know, manage politics when, in fact, again, they're supposed to be an advocate for the employees, not for a political party. Yeah, that's right. And that's how labor policy was developed, and uh, wrongly so under the Roosevelt administration back in the 1930s. It gave union officials this dramatic power that's really no one else has the type of power to force association and then force them to pay dues or fees in order uh, to, to keep or get a job. I mean, it's outrageous that they would have that privilege as a private organization, but they do. And, and the predicate for that, Joe, was, you know, we got to have labor peace. And labor peace means, look, if you do what we say, we won't beat you up. And that's yeah. literally yeah. the philosophy behind all this, unfortunately. And it goes back to the 1930s, let alone the 1940s. No, absolutely. And it's not, again, you're using, talking about what Sean Fain said, but, I mean, you even have the UAW. I know you guys are working on a case with the Volkswagen factory yeah. which is in Chattanooga, right, where, where they're basically, once again, just trying to force it on people, not even giving the opportunity to make the decision on their own. That's right, and that's a new. That's kind of a new rule coming out of the National Labor Relations Board, which is the federal agency that that adjudicates labor policy for the country. They made a decision back in August of 2023 that said there will no longer be secret ballot elections. That workers will be recognized by unions for what is called what are called card checks. But it even goes further than that, Joe. It basically says that if an employer is accused of an unfair labor practice charge, let alone adjudicated as as committing one, that it's possible that the National Labor Relations Board doesn't even have to have proof of a majority of workers want to be in the union. They'll just say, you know what, you've got to bargain with the union right now. And they will basically say, we're going to have you, we're going to force you under a bargain order. And that's what Volkswagen, what the UAW is interested in Volkswagen. They've already filed four unfair labor practice charges before they even announced they were getting cards for recognition. And so it's very likely that despite the fact they've lost two secret ballot elections, 2014 and 2019 or 2013, 2019, I think it was, the employees voted against unionization. They're back. They're going to spend $40 million to try to organize workers in the right-to-work states that are now the primary manufacturers of automobiles. And it's kind of interesting, Joe, they've got to spend $400 million in a market, $40 million in a marketing campaign to convince people to listen to them about what unions may or may not be able to do for them. I don't know if that's a good sign about, you know, people are eager to get in as opposed to well, exactly. go out and, and yeah, it, it, sounds, it sounds it sounds like the same strategy that uh, that Nikki Haley tried in her home state of South Carolina. It didn't work very well for her, and she was the governor. Hey, Mark, can I ask a favor? We're up. Can you hang on through the break? There's a couple other questions I want to cover, but we got to hit the break. And I, I just I find this so fascinating the work you do, and I want to make sure we cover it because I want to talk about right to work, how that's the big target of the Teamsters now. Uh, because I think that's something people need to understand, especially in a state like Wisconsin, where we, you know, we weren't right to work. Now we are. And it's all important that people understand they are targeting these states where those changes have actually helped to encourage business. Uh, but now the, the unions want to turn back the hands of time and make it harder to do business in these states. And I, I think it's important people know you're working on it. I'll hang around. All right, hang on. We're speaking with with Mark Mix. He's the president of the National Right to Work Legal Found, Defense Foundation. You can learn more what they do at nrtw.org. nrtw.org. We'll talk to him a little bit more on the other side of the break about the Teamsters' effort to destroy right to work. The regular Joe Radio Show.
Welcome back. Joe Giganti, your regular Joe with you, talking with Mark Mix, the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. You can learn more about Mark and the work they do by going to nrtw.org, nrtw.org. Mark, appreciate you hanging through the break. Now, we only got a couple minutes here. Uh, before we get into the, the right to work, if you could give us kind of the, the quick elevator speech for those not familiar with the work you guys do, who you are, what you do, and why you're doing it. Yeah, Joe, it's real simple and it's real quick. We believe that every worker has the right to join a union and that right is protected by federal law. But we believe that no worker should be compelled as a condition of getting or keeping a job to associate or pay union dues or fees with the union as a condition of that job. So that's real simple. 26 states today have the laws on the books. Wisconsin's one of them. And uh, we're out to protect those laws and protect individual workers' rights when it comes to the federal policy of forced unionism. All right, we've got an informed just a minute. We have to get you back here again soon. But uh, right now, the Teamsters, they met with, with Donald Trump. Post that meeting with Donald Trump, the president of the Teamsters, Sean O'Brien, said that target number one is the right to work in, in states. Why are they doing this? What does that mean in practical terms? Yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of flattering, Joe. I got to tell you, when he comes down after meeting with the former president and says the most important thing we discussed was right to work laws, what he's saying is the most important issue for the Teamster Union hierarchy in Washington, D.C. is to force every Teamster to pay union dues or fees in order to keep their jobs. It's a revenue thing. It's follow the money. It's all of that. And everything else is subsidiary to their ability to have compulsory forced unionism power over workers. That's outrageous. Now, if we could, we got about 20 seconds here. What is the intersection right now with all the troubles we're having with illegal immigration and unions? Are the unions helping to push for the open border because they see it as a new, new demographic that they can try to push into the unions? Absolutely. If you look back at the Teamster history, and uh, the New York Daily News did a story about creating sanctuary unions where they were being trained to help avoid ice raids for illegals. And this, you can't make Unreal. this stuff up. Unbelievable. No. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, Mark, I appreciate it. We will have you back soon. Mark Mix, president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation, working to defend worker rights. Go to nrtw.org to learn more. And you can also support them by making a donation. Appreciate it, Mark. The Regular Joe Show. Fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape, we're the superpowers. Not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone. Made in the USA. This is The Regular Joe Show. Oh, so good. Hello there and welcome Joe Giganti, your regular Joe with you here on this Wednesday. That's right, live and in person. Good to be with Beck and at it. Recovering still, but you know what? I couldn't keep myself away. There's too much happening, too much that needs to be addressed, including breaking news that I'll have for you in just a moment. It's, it's I'm telling you, this could shock the world in terms of in terms of the 2024 Democratic primary, I mean it that big of a deal. I kid you not. It is massive breaking news. We will have it for you in mere moments. We try to keep you up to date on all that's happening as soon as it's happening, including this one. Now, we do also have the results from the Michigan primary yesterday. What does it all mean? Well, we'll kind of 
dig into that in a moment or two. But nonetheless, plenty to talk about. Going to continue our conversation about the question of immigration with Joe Biden and Donald Trump heading to the border. Does that mean anything? Is it a positive? One never knows. We'll dig into that, including also an ad that Donald Trump has put out that is absolutely devastating to Joe Biden and his open border policy. All that in mere moments. First, though, let me just remind you, it is seven minutes after the hour, which means right now in Dubai, it is 7.07 p.m. In Brandon Falls, Delaware, 10.07 a.m. In the Hollywood Hills, 7.07 a.m. And in Beijing, China, it is 11.07 p.m. That is your new and improved Biden Crime Family Time, uh, the Biden Crime Family Time Check, TM, the regular Joe show, brought to you as it always is at the top of each and every broadcast hour so that one can know in these next 251 days the information that they need. They cannot claim ignorance to the depth and breadth of scum and villainy that is the Biden crime family. Well, hello and welcome. You can be a part of it. 888-737-1737-888-737-1737. Now, you can call or text that line. I heard of a new, what is it, phonophobia, I believe is what, now with the advent of all the texting and smartphones, the, that the vast majority of Americans are growing adverse to actually making phone calls. I hope that's not true, but I think phone calls are important. But we do get a lot of text messages, so maybe they're on to something there. Emails to joe at regjoeshow.com. Joe at regjoeshow.com. That is the way to be a part of the show every Monday through Friday. Plenty to get into. Hunter Biden has arrived on Capitol Hill. Joe Biden just... Now, I made a comment that he he took, it looked like he was taking Marine One to Walter Reed, but then another shot outside of Walter Reed showed a huge motorcade there, which begs the question exactly what is the carbon footprint that they are in that they are imposing upon the citizens of Washington, DC for a simple, you know, 15-minute car ride. Uh, and he was drinking coffee. So one one has to wonder exactly uh, what we're what we're dealing with there. Now We have, before we get into the good news, we do have some breaking news. That's right, breaking news here on the regular Joe Show. Now, the first thing to realize on this particular piece of breaking news, it just came across the wires moments ago, the full impact, unknown at this point. But Marianne Williamson, the self-help guru, the one and only. Now, you may recall we shared the news not long ago that we that she was suspending her presidential campaign. Well, just yesterday in Michigan, she received 22,696 votes. That's more than Dean Phillips, the actual announced challenger to Joe Biden got. He got 2.7% at 20,454. So, the breaking news Everybody's favorite space cadet, Marianne Williamson, has unsuspended her campaign and is returning to the presidential battleground in 2024. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You are likely hearing it here first. She made a statement via Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, saying that she is returning to the race. Quote, as of today, 
I am uns- I don't think I've ever witnessed uh have you ever heard of I don't think I've ever witnessed an unsuspending of campaign. But she said, I quote, I am unsuspending my campaign for the presidency of the United States. I had suspended it because I was losing the horse race. But something so much more important than that horse race is at stake here, and we must respond. No word if that involves an aura or not, but we're not sure. She went on to say, right now, we have a fascist standing at the door. Everybody all upset about it. I'm just reading the quotes, ladies and gentlemen. Don't blame me. I didn't, I didn't write these. I didn't say these. Well, we should be upset about it, but we're not going to defeat the fascists by, well, by what? What is President Biden offering? What is he saying beyond, you know, the economy is doing really well? Which, by the way, she may be a space cadet, but she's correct in saying in believing that that is not really saving things or selling the plan. She said, we're still in this. Let's do this. This is serious. We need to say to the American people, we see your pain. No, no, no. It's not, it's not that we see it. Look here. Let me help you out. We feel your pain. You know, it's, it's all about feeling them. That's, you know, I got me in trouble, but it, it works. It works. Try it. Try it sometime. Going back to her statement. We need to say to Donald Trump, we see your BS. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Marianne Williamson back in the race for 2024. She apparently thinks there is a window of opportunity based on the Michigan primary results. And she's going to give it her all. She's going to say it's, it's now the question was she having tea with Hickey Nelly when she made this decision. I'm just curious. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Anything that anything that distracts from Joe Biden and, and just completely or I should say focuses on how incompetent he is. I mean, I'm all for it, but I I don't see there being a rush for for Marion Williamson. But there you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. She is back and better than ever. She's going to really show you down. All right, so we did talk about the Michigan results. That is the good news on this Wednesday. Not a shocking result when it comes to the Republican portion of the primary. Uh, Donald Trump, once again, decimated the great savior of the Republic, Hickey Nally. Uh, she continues to say that she can she can win the general even if she can't win a single primary, which is always interesting because I don't know how that works. Now, on the Republican side, Donald Trump, as of the last numbers, received 68.2%. Now, I'm going to do this slowly uh, for all of those that usually use math mountains because, I mean, I understand actual mathematics is difficult. Now, Hickey Naley received 26.6% of the vote. So that means he beat her by 41.6 points. A 41.6 point spread in Michigan. DeSantis got 1.2, Chris Christie 0.4, Vivek 0.3, Binkley, who also just pulled out of the race, uh, which apparently not soon enough because he got 0.2. But he's throwing that 0.2 over to Donald Trump. That's what he said. He's endorsing Donald Trump. And Asa Hutchinson, who is technically still in the race. Or no, did he pull out now? I can't remember. Who can tell the difference? He received less than 0.1%. Now, maybe he'll unsuspend his campaign, too, at this point. 
Now, look, it's not a shock that he won the race. We knew he's going to win. He's going to win the race next Tuesday on Super Tuesday. He's probably going to sweep all of those states. So you have to want people keep getting frustrated and wondering, why does she stick in here? Why? And, and I, I think I have an answer that I'm going to use some sound from Tara Setmeyer as the example. I'll explain who she is in a moment. But on the Democrat side, Joe Biden finished with 81.1%. Now, as I mentioned, Marianne Williamson got three, Dean Phillips 2.7. But second place was uncommitted. That's that's significant. Now, 13.3%, you say, I mean, it's not that many. It's more than 100,000 votes. They were hoping with the uncommitted campaign that uh, Rashida Tlaib and it was trying to push with all the Arab voters in Michigan. Her goal was to get 10,000 people to vote uncommitted. They had more than 100,000 people vote uncommitted. And he's, for all intent and purposes, the only person really on the ballot. That is very significant. When people tell you the Democrats have their act together, there's nothing to see here. Don't believe them. It's simply not true. They are in massive damage control right now. Now, whether they will admit it is a whole different story. Of course they're not going to admit it. Why would they? They don't want to look soft. It's up to us to have the intelligence to see through it, to use our wit, our wisdom, and our reason to figure out the real deal, which is why we get together each and every day to have this conversation. Now, that's not the only good news I want to share Senator Ron Johnson out of the great state of Wisconsin, uh, he has been on the tip of the spear on a couple very important issues. One of them has been exposing the lies that surrounded the COVID subjugation. And look, this is what it's always been, is it was always about subjugation from day one. That doesn't mean it wasn't a real virus. That was a real virus. Absolutely. People died from it, but mostly because they didn't do the job they could have to stop it. He just held a roundtable. Now, this one, as far as I know, hasn't gotten yanked off of YouTube yet, like so many of the other ones. But he brings together experts, people that suffered through some of these things, and holds these regular roundtables to expose it. The mainstream media, including places like YouTube, either choose to roundly ignore it or they spike the videos. He continues to do it and to put it out. His opening statements, though, at this latest one, which took place on Monday, the 26th, was nothing short of just some of the, I think, the sharpest analysis of what really went on. It needs to be heard by every American and repeated often until everyone knows this as second nature of what really was going on with the COVID lockdowns and all the psyops that they perpetrated, not only against the American people, but the citizenry worldwide. Cut three Tuesday. Uh, Here's Senator Johnson in his opening. To me, the, the COVID pandemic has opened my eyes to the failure and corruption of the global elite and their institutions, including government. Unfortunately, many eyes remain closed and the global elite will use all of their power to keep them closed. They maintain power by controlling information. 
They relentlessly push their narrative while, at the same time, suppressing and marginalizing dissident voices. In this case, they overhyped fear over a virus they helped create in order to push a profitable gene therapy platform and gain greater control over our lives. He is 1,000% spot on, but he wasn't done yet. He had something else to say that's all important to what is really, what has been done and what's happening when dissident voices try to speak the truth. Along the way, they sabotaged early treatment, denied natural immunity and vaccine injuries, caused trillions of dollars of economic devastation, and destroyed an untold number of people's lives. Unfortunately, they remain in control. Today, I've assembled some of the dissident voices. Many have paid a heavy price for exercising their right to free speech, to offer a different perspective, a perspective that was not allowed. Some on the panel will be familiar to the audience. Some will be new faces. They come from diverse backgrounds, but they all share one attribute. Their eyes have been opened, and once opened, they will not be closed. Amen. You can find the entire video in the roundtable on rumble.com or the Rumble app. Check it out. It's well worth your time to watch the whole thing. The Regular Joe Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Giganti, uh, your regular Joe here. Just reading, uh, there's, they're saying this is breaking news, that Biden's visit today to Walter Reed for a physical exam is an unannounced visit. Uh, he's been president of history. I mean, I didn't think it was some trying to make, I don't know, maybe they're just trying to do clickbait here and make this into a bigger deal uh, than one expected. But he nonetheless won jetting, or excuse me, Marine wanting off, helicoptering off to to Walter Reed, and I'm sure we'll be told that he is in tip-top physical condition, that he is stronger than the average 25-year-old, that his mental acuity is that of Albert Einstein in his prime, or if it's an unexpected trip, I mean, I mean, maybe they'll come and they'll discover that he has some potential health risk or issue that needs to now be addressed. One never knows. We'll just have to wait and see. That's that's how we, we just, look, we don't want to try to decide, try to make these things up in our head, try to, con, you know, come up with conspiracies when they're unnecessary. We'll let the facts take us where they may, they may be. Now, I mentioned, why is Nikki Haley continuing to stay in? There's a lot of thoughts on this and i mean she's basically said look i want to be your plan b uh which kind of ironic given her statements on abortion but either way uh that you know she wants to be the big backup should uh, something happen to donald trump now i think that's rather fanciful of her because i don't honestly believe that most republicans want her uh, i think more than likely if if god forbid if something were to happen to Donald Trump, where he couldn't run or, or be elected president for, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, I got to be honest, I, I think that um, 
the next bet, I would think you'd see Ron DeSantis step back in. Is really uh, of anybody that's out there that's going to be, a, you know, a feasible replacement in any level, it'd probably be Ron DeSantis. It's certainly not going to be Hickey Nailey. That much we know. Bronson wrote it, and he said, "Look, I, 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 why is she staying in? She wants to be a poison pill, but in reality, she's just a placebo." Well, I have a slightly different take. Now, there's this young lady, Tara Setmeyer. You may not know the name. Uh, I wouldn't blame you. Most people wouldn't. But Tara Setmeyer used to be a spokesperson over at the RNC. And she has parlayed that work. Not exactly sure if she was there when Michael Steele was there, but she is certainly of the genre of Michael Steele, which is to say professional Republicans that will say and do whatever you ask them to as long as there's a paycheck attached to it. Now, to be sure, there's people in the Democrats the same way. But as I will demonstrate with something I'm going to play for you after the break from her appearance on MSNBC, where she is a paid commentator. So, you know, she likes the paycheck. So she's going to say and do you know, what she needs to to maintain that paycheck. Sometimes it's that simple. Well, I'm not convinced that's not what Hickey Nailey's plan really is. The regular Joe radio show. Welcome, Joe Gigante, your regular Joe with you here on this Wednesday. You can be a part of it, 888-737-1737-888-737-1737. I'm just, I'm laughing because we were talking on the break about uh, the weather here where we originate from in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yesterday it was like 70 degrees, 69, I don't know, I spent the day obviously inside, I didn't get to, didn't get to enjoy it, but... Uh, and then it was this morning, there was snow on the ground. Uh, and it, what's like a high is going to be like 26 today or something ridiculous, uh, which is unfortunately the way weather has been in Wisconsin for some time. It's nothing to do with global warming or global climate change. But as, as if on cue, my college age son, who lives on campus, uh, but in Wisconsin, texted in all capitals, why is there snow on the ground? The last he had texted us was that his professor, who clearly was the most we the most popular professor in the college canceled classes yesterday afternoon because the weather was so nice and said we really shouldn't be in class you all should go out and enjoy the weather so he was sending me uh videos of him and his buddies having a lot of fun outside and then he wakes up this morning and there's snow yeah well he's lived here for a long time he should he should know where we are at this point now i mentioned a moment ago so with the the situation uh, with how do we how do we understand some of the decisions? I think sometimes the mistake that we make, and it's an it's an honest mistake. You look at someone like Nikki Haley or Tara Setmeyer, all these people, Michael Steele, you know, former chair of the RNC. You know, I used to be the RNC chair. I love Republican. I'm a Republican, and then they they get on television. And they say and do things, either in their political life or in their their private you know enterprise working for one of these networks, and you sit there confounded, like, am I the crazy one? Why are they saying all this? Well, I think the answer is a little more obvious than maybe we want to admit, uh, because it, it, it has implications. If we admit this is the reason that they're 
they're doing some of these things, then it makes it a little harder for us to try to discern and differentiate, you know, who to trust, who not to trust, those kind of things. But for the example's sake, before I get into the why, I think it is, here's Tara Setmeyer. She used to be comms director for the GOP. I, I have to tell you, for some reason, I think she did work with Steve. I could be wrong. Uh, if they didn't, uh, I mean, they're cut from the same stripe. That's for sure in terms of their their version of Republicanism. They're, she's on MSNBC. She's on Chris Jansing reports. Jansing says there's a new poll today that shows the vast majority of Americans have serious concerns about the situation in the United States with immigration. But can they afford to be seen as holding everything up, meaning the Republicans holding everything up, looking potentially here right down the barrel again of a government shutdown, because apparently we're once again going to run out of money on Friday. So here's Tara Setmeyer in the first of two parts of her response to that. The other thing about it that's funny to me is someone who worked for Republicans for years who did not like the idea of an imperial presidency and the idea of executive actions on things. I remember Republicans during the early 2010s used to get on Barack Obama's case for using executive authority too often. But here now they're asking uh, President Biden to do it. So they really don't know what they want. This is all about politics. It's not really about policy or what's in the best interest of all parties involved other than what's going on in an election year. So this it's not just it's an election year politicking is what she said. She she drives us home in the second part saying, look, you know, I was there. I was on Capitol Hill. We didn't really want to get anything done. The immigration issue is one that's been a problem for decades. When I worked in Capitol Hill, I worked on the immigration and border security issue uh, for seven years, and it wasn't solved back then, okay? And it's not going to be solved tomorrow. However, the disingenuous nature of Mike Johnson's comments saying that this is about the border uh, is is really hard to, to swallow because they have an excellent bipartisan, strong bipartisan immigration bill that could have been voted on and passed by now, but only for the fact that Donald Trump does not want this issue to be, quote, a win for Biden in an election year. They want to run on this. It's a cudgel and they know it. It's a cudgel and they know it. So, again, you sit there, you listen, this doesn't sound like a Republican, sounds like a Democrat. Why are they doing this? Well, I think it's very simple. She gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars or more per year, like Joy Reid, to say things that match the the tenor and tempo of MSNBC. She knows what side her, her bread is buttered on. She's not going to get up there and make convincing conservative arguments. And it's indicting, by the way, when she says, look, when I was on Capitol Hill, nobody wanted to really solve this. We had this problem. We had this issue. Nothing really happened. Which, again, that's why I say it, it doesn't matter to me if they're a Democrat or Republican. If they do the right thing, great. If they do a bad thing, well, then you need to call them out on it. But at the end of the day, I mean, again, this confounds people. It's not, it, it's really simple because this is what they're getting paid to do. Now, we know people, people keep saying, well, how come Hickey Nally's still in the race? Well, because Hickey Nally has a lot of money in her coffers. Maybe she's just getting paid to get out there and say the things that she's saying because they certainly don't match what the rank-and-file Republicans believe, and certainly when, when it comes to immigration and the border and other things, that the vast majority of Americans believe. In fact, most Americans look at Donald Trump as being the one person that can actually secure the border because so far he's the only one that has, to Tara Sedmeyer's admission. So, I mean, again, there's, a, there's probably with, with Nail, there's a few more nuanced reasons, but at the end of the day, 
we have to recognize there are those that that say they have principle and integrity, but the principle and integrity only goes so far as the paycheck, as the check clears the bank. And when the checks aren't clearing the bank, well, then they're up for grabs. You know, jokingly, because, again, I spent a good deal of my career in my native Washington, D.C., and I'll never forget one time, this was meant to be just a joke, but it was based on our knowledge of Washington. Now, the, the number one guy that worked with me also was named Joe, so that was never confusing. But we were on our way to a pitch meeting, and it was a very important issue near and dear to my heart, and... I was very stressed out about this particular pitch because I really wanted to do this work. I really thought we could make a difference. So I'm, I'm, and Joe wants to break the ice with me. He wants to help me loosen up because he knows if I go in stressed out, I'm not going to make as good of a pitch as I could. And right before we open the door to the organization to go in, he turns and he says, remind me again, are we for or against? And then, I mean, I'm purposely leaving the issue out. I'm not going to get into, but are we for or against this? And, and he said it because, again, it's the way we're in Washington. Are we for or against it? Usually went with the paycheck. And, and he knew I'd get the joke. And I immediately started laughing, which was very good because we made the pitch. We got the, we got the deal uh, because it was something that, again, I, re- I had personal connection to and that I really wanted to, to make a difference on. But unfortunately, this is something within Washington. I mean, this is why you see people like the crybaby John Boehner. You know, all of a sudden he's a great advocate for legalizing pot. Well, because they pay well. You see that on the federal level, you see it on the state level. People put on the, the armor of being a libertarian claiming, well, that's the real reason I think we should legalize all recreational drugs. Or it has more to do with the money that they put in your coffers. I mean, you know, it's not hard to figure this out. Now, the difficulty with this is it's, it's deflating, right? We get upset because we're like, does no one have principle? Well, yeah, there are people that do. Then it's our job to try to pay attention and discern which ones do and which ones don't in which ones are willing to just go wherever the money leads them. And the people, that's part of why, and again, they, they, in the simple mentality that Washington and their elite often apply to how do you get, they, they don't look at it, how do we advance conservative principles? How do we advance our agenda? To them, it's how do we get the lemmings to vote for the person we want them to vote for? So they'll look at, for example, Donald Trump. Well, we need a financially independent businessman that can self-fund his campaign, and then everybody will love him. It doesn't always translate. Now, one of the great things that Donald Trump brought to the presidency and brings to this particular election is you can't buy him. It's why it's laughable. Again, going back to why we mock certain things, it needs to be mocked when a billionaire, when people sit there and say, wow, I mean, is Russia trying to buy off Trump, really? Because it's not like he's a billionaire. Okay, I mean, sure, anybody could be bought off, I suppose, but you look at someone like, well, I don't know, Joe Biden with $3 million checks coming in from the from Ukraine and communist China and everything else, certainly looks like a buyout, and everyone goes, no, 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 that was just their private consulting. Donald Trump, where there is no such thing except for his own money, and we're to believe he's the guy being bought off. One of the most successful businessmen in modern history, yes, that's exactly right. This is why you mock such things, because they're just that stupid. They're that ridiculous of a premise. But I think when it comes to people like Tara Setmeyer and Hickey Naley and Michael Steele, it's not that hard to figure out. They want money. They want a good, solid income. They like to live comfortably. They don't want to have to sweat like the rest of the people. They don't want to have to actually roll up their sleeves and get something done. 
when they can just say certain things and the money flows. Again, I've seen this firsthand, and, I, and there are people. That's why part of the thing I love about the current speaker, Mike Johnson, is the fact that he's not independently wealthy. Now, some mock that. Oh, he's in Congress and he lives paycheck to paycheck. That's called reality. You know who you should be more worried about? The speaker that went in in the low, you know, middle class or lower middle class that now is a multimillionaire, like uh, Nancy Pelosi, for example. Because that screams insider trading. That screams somebody that has used their position to enrich themselves. And so it, it, to me, it's not a negative. That's a very positive thing that that's happening. Now, I started talking before we had Mark Mix on. I brought up Robert Kennedy. He was secured enough signatures to be on the Georgia and Arizona ballots. And this goes back to the top of the hour. We talked about the Michigan results. Now, be, you, know, you can cut this however way you want to. You can kind of you know, get into the weeds of, well, if it's this person, that person, this percentage. But one of the big differences in 2016 to 2020 was the amount of third-party candidates on the ballot. As a matter of fact, for example, right in the state of Wisconsin, the Democrats worked overtime to keep people like Jill Stein, Kanye West was one. Uh, do you remember that? He tried to get on the ballot. In, anyway, uh, but they worked overtime to keep third-party candidates off the ballot because in just about every analysis that you look at, the more there's a third-party presence on the ballot, the better Donald Trump does in the general election against Joe Biden or fill-in Democrat. So certainly, as we think about Katie Hobbs, we talked about in the first hour, who is diametrically opposed to securing the border because it means that you're going to kill entrepreneurship in Arizona and, and destroy jobs. I'm glad you have a chief executive of a state that views the economic future of the state to be dependent upon illegal labor. That's, 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 that's solid. So she says it's going to destroy that. But you've got to get worried if you're Katie Hobbs. You've got to get worried if you're Brian Kemp, for that matter, because according to this story at Adjust the News, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. secured enough signatures to be on the 2024 Arizona and Georgia ballots. This comes, according to the Super PAC, backing the Democrat-turned-independent candidate. America Values 24, which is a political action committee, which supports the efforts of Robert F. Kennedy, confirmed to Just the News the candidate will be on the swing state ballots. Quote, we are pleased to announce that AV24 has met the signature requirements to get Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the ballot in Arizona and Georgia, said Tom Lyons, co-founder of the PAC. The grassroots energy and momentum give us more confidence than ever in our ability to knock out the remaining states on our list of states quickly. The remaining states being Michigan, South Carolina, Maryland, California, West Virginia, Indiana, Texas, Illinois, and New York, as well as Massachusetts. Utah was the first state in which Kennedy qualified for the 2024 ballot. Now, no word if he's going to follow in Marianne Williamson's uh, footsteps. She's unsuspending her campaign. No word if he's going to convert back to being a Democrat. But the interesting thing about Kennedy, and I've warned people this, he does have the potential to, to take some votes away from Donald Trump, particularly on COVID. I think the key, if he's going to be on these ballots, is this gives the opportunity for the Trump campaign to highlight his more liberal leanings. Because while he may have some broad-based appeal, 
Kennedy, that is, he still holds a lot of dyed-in-the-wool Democrat left-wing policies that ultimately will hurt Biden more than Trump. The Regular Joe Radio Show. Hello there and welcome. Joe again to your regular Joe here with you on this Wednesday. You can be a part of it. 888-737-1737. 888-737-1737. Greg says, Sittmeyer smells totally foul because she immediately goes full TDS and blames the orange man bad. Well, I, yeah, I mean, exactly. But I'm telling you, she's, I, I'm not saying she's a quietly a fan of Donald Trump's. You have there the mix of two things. She is... She is absolutely your standard operating, standard issue Republican out of Washington, where they, ooh, you know, again, it's the whole, Joan, did you say jelly? It's the planners all fruit in the, you know, the commercial where they faint because someone says, please pass the jelly instead of just, you know, the planners all fruit. So you have that reaction from establishment Washington. Plus, again, it's the paycheck. She knows that, you know, the, the red meat on MSNBC is the kind of crazy that she was just expounding on. Look, don't take my word for it. Joy Reid did a video. Was this a, it was a Twitter video, wasn't it? And, you know, she was giving her thoughts on immigration and everything else and, and how crazy the Republican Party has gone. You talk about an unhinged racist. Listen, this is the first cut out of the three cuts we have of her just letting loose with who she really is. The United States has a population of north of 327 million people why do we need more kids i mean your party senator tuberville is the one screaming that 10 million immigrants which i don't even know that that number even makes any sense because it doesn't um have streamed into the country since joe biden has been president and you're claiming that that's too many people that if more people come into the southern border this is some sort of crisis because we, we've got too many people and we've got no more space and we can't afford more people. But now you're saying we need more kids. Can you explain who's the we and what's the purpose? So the question, she brings up the we and the pro. The purpose is very simple. Now, I understand Joyless Reed, again, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. As a matter of fact, she probably would resemble a spoon in the drawer as opposed to a knife. But everyone understands this. The numbers are there. These are numbers from the Democrat administrations. If you remove illegal immigration, we have had a negative replenishment rate in the United States for a number of years. The way we sustain our economy is that we have to have people of age to work, to to buy products, and to generate income to buy products. That's what children grow up to become these people. It's not as complicated as she makes it, but we'll pick it up after the break. The Regular Joe Show. Fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape, we're the superpowers. Not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone. Made in the USA. This is the Regular Joe Show. Oh, so good. Hello there and welcome. Joe Gigante, your regular Joe here. Hour number three already. 
of today's regular Joe show. So much to get into. I want a couple names. I want you to try to remember these names. Tell me what they have in common. Jose Antonio Ibera. Nielsen Frejo Granados. Israel Fuentes Jr. Johnny Alejandro Torcios. Besides the fact that they're all in their 20s, except for Fuentes Jr., who's in his early 30s. What do these fine, upstanding men of society have in common? We'll get into it as we get back into the border issues, Lake and Riley's murder, and other atrocities happening. Why? Because the Democrats refuse to do what they can and should and must to secure our border. That, of course, ties into the big discussions in the White House about funding the border bill, which is the border bill for three other nations, not ours. Are we on the verge of another government shutdown? Joe Biden, he's out doing media hits to prove he's on top of his game. Didn't quite go the way he expected. And Terrence Bradley in a sudden case of amnesia. We got plenty to get into this hour. First, though, it is seven minutes after the hour, which means in that quagmire on top of a foobar in Afghanistan, 8.37 p.m. in Taiwan, it is 12.07 a.m. in Moscow, 7.07 p.m. And right now in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., 11.07 a.m. That is your new and improved Biden Crime Family Time Check, TM, the regular Joe Show. Brought to you as it always is at the top of each and every broadcast hour to ensure one can't possibly claim that they were ignorant, they didn't know, nobody told them what it would take to, to what we're up against with the Biden crime family. Those just a few of the locales that they DBA, do business as the Biden crime family in order to continue trading influence for money at your and my expense. So welcome. It is hour number three. You, of course, can be a part of this conversation by dialing or texting 888-737-1737-888-737-1737. Of course, you can email me, as Mike just did a few minutes ago, at joe at regjoeshow.com, joe at regjoeshow.com. That's the way to be a part of the show. Now, we've got some good news to get into uh, observations well worth making. And, you know, I thought I had this story in the stack, but I don't see it here today. Sometimes I think things magically disappear after I print them and then they don't, uh, they don't make it. That's okay. The, with the joys of the modern interweb, I can pull the story up nonetheless. Now, we have talked many times about how this administration has been ginning up the employment numbers to try to make it look as though things are going much better than they are. In fact, uh, I've not only talked about it, I've demonstrated that, and again, I haven't done that the last few months because I just haven't had a chance to dig into the numbers, but for what was a 14-month streak, which is an absurd 14 months, the numbers they were reporting were going to, would be revised downward as much as 50% within the next two reporting periods, which is the next 60 days. Every 30 days, they issue the numbers. And, of course, that's because nobody checks 
Nobody goes back at the end of the report and be like, oh, this correction. No, they report, oh, jobs are better than they've ever been. We didn't realize these jobs are awesome. Now, the other way that they were they were cooking the numbers is when they were talking about new jobs, they were they were including the same person as many as three times. If you've got an employed person that takes on a side hustle, well, that side hustle is a new job. And they take on a second side hustle. It's So you have one person working three jobs. That's not good employment. That's a sign of a weak economy. And then they, were, they stopped counting those people that just dropped out, able-bodied citizens of working age that just just dropped out. They're not trying to find a job anymore. Well, they got, they got rid of those numbers too, right? So this is not exactly an accurate telling. Well, guess where they're applying some of this now? The United States Army. You see, the Army is having trouble with recruiting so that, that they can't get people to join the Army because in the woke military, the type of people that would normally volunteer don't want to have anything to do with it. And I can't blame them. I know a number of people that have, that have made decisions when it's time for them to either re-up or they can, they can leave at the end of their term are choosing to leave because they don't want to be, they don't feel like they're actually a part of the, the, the true American military force in the sense of what they're doing. Well, here's news that amid recruiting shortfalls, they're cutting 24,000 positions out of the United States Army. Of those positions, 5% of those being slashed are the ones that are remaining empty because they can't get recruits. Well, what's the net effect of this? They're going to tell you they're making the recruiting goal. Like, they're, they're having shortfalls. So let's just cut a bunch of the positions. And then we can say we're filling all the positions that are available. This, this, is, the, this is Bidenomics 101. It's completely ridiculous and absurd. And if we have 24,000 positions within the United States Army that we didn't really need, why were they there in the first place? Now, I can assure you without even doing research, DEI-based positions are not the ones that are being cut. I guarantee you DEI positions are probably being fully funded, and they're working hard to fill those. I'm sure they want to make sure for the Rainbow Warriors that they can get another picture of a bunch of men wearing women's military uniforms like old uh, Levine over there. Richard Levine. That's his, that's his real name. I will refer to him by his real name. Richard Levine from the... Department of Health and Human Services. So this is this is the new way they do it. Well, we're just gonna we have to refigure our structure, and uh, we're reducing, and we just happen to be cutting out a bunch of positions we can't fill anyway. So that way we don't have to continually answer the question of why can't we fill positions. So I guess good news for the Army will be in in short a short period of time from now, they will once again be able to claim that they're fully staffed because they're just. They're just cutting the positions. That way, there's no problem. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I I think that's a great way to do these things. All right, in the real good news for the hour, CBS has returned hundreds of documents to Catherine Heritage. Now, you may remember, she used to, at one time, was with Fox, uh, and then she moved moved over to CBS. They terminated her amidst a, a termination situation where 800 people were let go. She was one of them, but in a very unusual turn of events... They took a bunch of her source material, confidential human source information, and others, and some observed that she had been working on the Hunter Biden laptop story, among other things, and just seemed kind of odd. Well, the Screen Actors Guild 
American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, the SAG after Union on Monday confirmed that, quote, a representative of our union monitored the return of several boxes. That's how much stuff they took from her containing Catherine Heritage's uh, reporting materials from her CBS News office in Washington, D.C. Heritage, Heritage is uh, currently reviewing the materials. They said we welcome CBS News's reversal, which came after their intervention in widespread media coverage that underscored Shared concerns about uh, press freedom and the First Amendment, the union continued. The resolution of this matter sends a strong message of protection for basic First Amendment principles. We further hope the public focus now turns to SAG after its continued efforts to support a press shield. Now, again, it's good news. I'm sure it'll be interesting to find out if everything in the boxes was returned or if copies or anything else were made. But an interest, now you gotta, I think it's in Canada. They want to make it a crime. Uh, well, they don't have the same First Amendment rights we do. But if you post something on social media that offends people, they want to make that a crime. Uh, they're trying to steal the press's information when they refuse to toe the line. It's very, very dangerous times. Uh, but, that, but I'm going to tell you something. Here now, the answer is not to stop speaking the truth. It is to start speaking it louder and clearer than ever. Bullies only succeed when we cower. Do not cower. And on that, I give you this other piece of good news involving Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears. She was presiding over the Virginia Senate, as is one of her jobs, when Senator Senator Danica Rome, who asked a question saying, quote, Madam President, how many votes would it take to pass this bill with the emergency clause, Rome asked. Sears responded, that would be four-fifths senator, end quote. And then Rome followed up, asking again, and what would be the exact number of that, Madam President? To which Winsome Sears responded, yes, sir, that would be 32. At which point, Senator Danica Rome cast down the mic, and stormed out of the chamber. Now, you may try to figure out, well, why, why, what was going on there? How is this good news? Well, I will explain. You see, Danica Rome is a dude. That's the, the, the rub here, is that Danica is a dude who likes to have long hair and wear dresses. Now, in the 70s and 80s, we called those hair bands and rock and rollers. Nowadays, we're supposed to call them women. I mean, think about it. The 80s hair bands wore more makeup than probably Danica Rome. Nobody was confused. It was men. Now, Danica is very confused about who he is. Because, well, he is a biological male that likes to pretend that he is a female. And in the back and forth with Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears... Winsome Sears referred to him in passing as sir. Now, this upset because whenever you attack the false illusion that, you know, they are. And by the way, you know, one of the things that's really amazing is nowadays, it used to be, for example, if you went to, uh, if, you, if you went online, say, to Wikipedia for someone like Rome, in their, it would say they were born whatever their name is. That's all been expunged from all these things now. 
even though everyone knows they were born a male or a female, whatever it might be, they backdate the pronouns, which is just, I mean, it's not even historically accurate. If we're going to believe that a man can become a woman or vice versa, but it's not even historically accurate. They weren't born, this person wasn't born Danica Rome. That wasn't the name that they were, they were given, in this case, baptized by. But either way, now, to Winston Sears' credit, later uh, she tried to qualify or, 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 or explain that she was not trying to upset Senator Rome. So let it be known, I am not here to upset anyone. I'm here to do the job the people of Virginia have called me to do, and that is to treat everyone with respect and dignity. I myself, at times, have not been afforded that same respect and dignity. But in this body, as long as I'm president of the Senate, and by the grace of God, I will be treated with respect and dignity, and I will treat everybody else with respect and dignity. She went on to say, I apologize, and I would hope that everyone would understand there is no intent to offend but that we'd also give each other the ability to forgive each other. Now, I do note in her response that in no way, shape, or form did she deny the fact that Rome is, in fact, a guy. But the minute, it, it's funny because I'm I, talking to Mark Mix at the National Right to Life, a National Right to Work uh, uh, committee the other, uh, earlier in the show, I talked about the movie Miracle on 34th Street. And this reminds me of the whole setup with how they put, they put Santa Claus, when he says, the minute you attack someone's delusion, they become violent. Well, in this case, Senator Rome is living in a delusion. The minute, well, all it was is, sir. Now, when my, my one son was really little, little, sometimes he'd accidentally say mom instead of dad, and dad instead of mom. Was I going to storm out of the room? Did you call me my? I mean, for goodness sake, in passing, one, one reference to sir in the responses to storm out of the chamber. Yeah, there's no mental troubles whatsoever there. I st you know what? I applaud Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears for speaking the truth. The Regular Joe Show. Well, hello there and welcome. Joe Giganti, your Regular Joe here with you on this Wednesday. Inviting you to be a part of the conversation, 888-737-1737-888-737-1737. Now, I got through most of the good news, uh, but there's another piece that goes back to the, one of the main pieces I want to talk about today, which is our continuing border crisis, how this may or may not impact a government shutdown. Can I, and I just, I'm curious, we should do a, something on social media just a yes or no, try to get people involved. But certainly, you can text your thoughts to 888-737-1737, which is, does the threat of a government shutdown, does that worry you in any way, shape, or form if there was to be a government shutdown Friday because they can't come to, to grips with the border crisis as well as a budget, <clears throat> would you see that as a failure of Republicans? Now, understand that Congressman Buddy Carter out of Georgia has sponsored a new bill called the Submitted Act, uh, which is an acronym for Send Us Budget Materials and International Tactics in Time. This is in reference to their effort to possibly block a State of the Union speech by, by Joe Biden before a joint session of Congress because he has once again missed the deadline to prevent, present a spending and national security plan to Congress. 
According to the Budget and Accounting Act of 1921, which has been updated a number of times since, it requires a president to submit his budget request to Congress no later than the first Monday in February. The National Security Act of 1947 requires the president to submit a national security proposal for the same on the same day. But there's, been, there's no enforcement mechanism for either of these, and Joe Biden has not done this. Buddy Carter said President Biden's budget was due February 5th, yet Congress has seen nothing. This is irresponsible until Congress receives the president's national security strategy in budget. He has no business delivering a State of the Union address. The submitted act would prohibit House or Senate leadership from inviting the president to address a joint session of Congress until Congress gets both plans. I think this is awesome, frankly, and I think it should be done for Republicans or Democrats. I don't care. Do it for both. Joni Ernst, Republican of Iowa, that's a senator, has introduced the Senate version of this plan. So with all this talk, and we'll get into the whole, is there going to be a shutdown and, and everything else? The big issue at hand is the desire by this administration for the $96 billion boondoggle, which 60-plus billion of it is going to go to Ukraine if passed in the House. Second largest, I believe, goes to Israel. Then uh, for, for Taiwan, basically, is the, is the third piece of it. And then there's a little itty-bitty-bitty portion that supposedly is to help secure our border, but in fact it has nothing to do with actually securing our border. It's just to prop up bringing illegals into the country even faster. St Speaker Mike Johnson has said, eh -eh, no way, no how, we're not doing it. So they had some intense meetings at the White House yesterday. Well, in light of all that, the Trump campaign has released a new ad in light of Lakin Riley's murder that I think does a fantastic job of putting the blame where it belongs, pointing out there's blood on Joe Biden in the entire Democrat regime's hands for what they've done with our open border. I will share that with you when, you, when we get back. I'd like to know what you think. The regular Joe Radio Show. Welcome back. Joe Giganti, regular Joe here with you on this Wednesday. Want to remind everybody listening in the state of Wisconsin, this Saturday, uh, you have the opportunity to help out. We've talked about the Recall Voss effort they're doing. Now, this again, you can only sign the petition if you live in his district, uh, which is soon to be withdrawn, because among the many things that he's done was to acquiesce to Governor Evers' demand for new new districts, uh, despite the fact that they had done everything legally and there was no need to redraw them, instead of fight, he just rolled over and gave the left-wing progressive Democrat governor all that he wanted. But nonetheless, you can do a lot of things to help the Recall Voss effort. Certainly you can donate, but more importantly, you can volunteer as they're doing a big signature gathering celebration. It's going to take place this Saturday and Sunday, March 2nd and 3rd, from 9 to 6 on Saturday 1 to 6 on Sunday. Food and drink will be provided all day. They're looking for as many people to come down to their headquarters uh, at 4350 67th Drive in Union Grove to volunteer, go out, and get the signatures needed to complete the Recall Voss effort. Uh, you can learn more by going to recallvoss.com. 
I can tell you that I know there is a a strong contingent of conservative leaders in the state that are mobilizing people to be there, and I certainly hope you will consider doing it. Again, time, talent, and treasure. If you can't get down there, uh, you can make a donation. If you can't make a donation, I get it, very tight times right now, uh, and you, you can't get down there, you can contact them, and you can certainly phone bank from wherever you are, and that's just they give you a list of numbers of people in the district that you can call to make sure they're aware of the recall to ask if they want to participate. So there's always a way to to be a part of the solution, and I certainly hope you will. Now, top of the at the end of the last hour, I played a soundbite from Joy Reid. This wasn't even on her or her television show. Uh, she figured she wanted maybe more people to see it, so why do it on MSNBC? She went to Twitter, where she's likely to get more viewers. Now, I want to replace this. is talking to Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville recently made a comment about the fact that we need more babies. Well, th- this is a reality. I mean, just this this isn't about pro-life or, or Christian faith or anything else. Look at the numbers. You remove illegal immigration. We have a negative replenishment rate in our, our country. Soon, even with, with illegal immigration, that number will be negative replenishment. And that is that will destroy our economy. We have to have people. We have to have consumers and creators to make an economy work. It's a very basic concept. So he made mention of it, not even in a massive way. Well, here's Joy Reid just flipping out. Here's the first part of her comments. The United States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do we need more kids? I mean, your party, Senator Tuberville, is the one screaming that 10 million immigrants, which... I don't even know that that number even makes any sense because it doesn't um, have streamed into the country since Joe Biden has been president. And you're claiming that that's too many people, that if more people come into the southern border, this is some sort of crisis because we, we've got too many people and we've got no more space and we can't afford more people. But now you're saying we need more kids. Can you explain who's the we and what's the purpose? Well, I just explained the purpose. The we's and she's going to give you her theory in a moment about the we, but that she can't understand the difference between an illegal immigrant coming into the country and having actual children born of citizens of this country, growing up, being educated as opposed to indoctrinated and becoming productive members of society speaks volumes to the stupidity that is Joy Reid. She is, again, not the smartest person in the world, but again, they say that Peter Principle, you failed to your highest level of incompetence. She's getting paid millions of dollars a year to be stupid, and she's doing it well. Now, it's not a hard thing to understand. It's not, again, it's not a religious thing. It's not a pro-life thing. This is just basic economics. You talk to anyone that understands the, the demographics of our country, and they will tell you what actually pro-lifers have been telling you for decades, which is we're heading into a demographic winter, which is very bad for the economy because you need producers and consumers that are your citizens. Just to add that little detail. Now, who's the we? Well, that's because everything for Joy Reid is always seen through the lens of race. She is one of the most racist individuals you will ever find. So she's all in favor of illegal immigration because, well, they're not white people by and large. So that must mean they're good. And if you want us to have more babies, well, that must mean it's racist. You're also a senator from the state of Alabama. God help the people there. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids? Why does the state of Alabama need more kids? More kids for what? Hmm. 
there was a time when the state of Alabama absolutely needed more kids because, you know, Alabama was a slave state. Mm. And the mandate of the planter class in Alabama was for black women to produce more kids because those kids were property and they could work more kids and make more money on their plantations. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids because you think that those populations will include people who are maybe destitute and desperate enough if you kick out the immigrants like a lot of y'all want to do and you could make them do the work that the migrants are doing now? Because that kind of sounds slavery-ish. Well, that's it. That's the, that's the real reason we want to get illegal immigrants out is that way we can make black people slaves again. You live on a plantation. It's called MSNBC. It's masters the Democrat Party. You're just too plugged stupid to realize that they've enslaved you by your own choice. In everything you purport to believe and support, you have made yourself a slave. We don't even have to do it. There's no need for it. And by the way, I might remind you as Republicans, the first Republican president that ended slavery. All the people that you genuflect to nowadays were the ones that tried to keep you down, tried to keep you enslaved, said you were three-fifths human, couldn't go to the same schools as their children, couldn't even be on the buses with their children. But seemingly history is not something you're the sharpest knife in the drawer on. Neither are the people over at Politico, which I'll get to in a moment. But in light of this, because why Why are they saying these? Again, there's always a reason. Just like why is uh, Tammy, uh, what is her name, Butterworth or whatever her name is, uh, she's out there saying, we've got to create a law to ensure everyone has a right to IVF because this is the most important thing. Well, I'll tell you why. Because when we talk about the brutal murder of Lake and Riley, they don't have any defense to the, what is clearly, in, in major ways, their responsibility, their fault. Jose Antonio Ibera, who got out of New York because they, well, frankly, just didn't give a damn, goes down to Georgia into a sanctuary city and disfigured her skull. It wasn't just that he, he, he grabbed her and murdered her. No reason for it. Never usually is. But there's a brutality in this, this particular murder. And I gave you a bunch of names at the start of the show. And I'll, I'll repeat them. What, what do they have in common with Jose Antonio Ibera, Nielsen Trejo Granados, Israel Fuentes Jr. I'm, I'm sure that Fuentes Sr. must be very proud. And Jolly, uh, Johnny Alejandro Tercios. Well, I'll tell you what those three have in common with Jose Antonio Albero. Because that first name, Nielsen Trejo Granados, is a 25-year-old Salvadorian illegal immigrant who is now the fifth suspect arrested in the murder of a two-year-old boy in Maryland. The other two names that I gave you, also illegal immigrants. Three of the five in, in, involved, the other two names haven't been released. What's the deal with them? Well, the two-year-old was in a park with his mother when these three, five, whatever the number is, got into a gunfight. And in the crossfire, a two-year-old boy was shot and killed by a bunch of illegal immigrants. So, yes, they want to talk about, oh, you're trying to put black people back into slavery? IVF, we need a national law for IVF. Because they don't want to talk about the reality. They're, not, they're so untethered with reality. I mean, so completely untethered. But here, Donald Trump, I think, or his team, I don't know who did this ad, 
did a phenomenal job. They just released, well, Save America PAC is behind it, so it's not Donald Trump. It's just the PAC that supports him. Uh, but they did a phenomenal job. I'm going to give you the audio. The video makes it that much more compelling, but the audio does a pretty darn good job of it. They just released this ad, and it cuts through all the BS. It's not about slavery or IVF. It's about securing our border and protecting American citizens. Following some breaking news out of Athens, Georgia. Two colleges have canceled classes today as police look for a murderer. Lincoln Riley was described as a shining light. A dean's List nursing student. Police arrested 26-year-old Jose Antonio Ibarra. Ibarra crossed into Texas illegally back in September of 2022, then was released into the United States on parole. We're confident this border is secure. We have a secure border. We agree that uh, the border is secure. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. The border is closed. The border is secure. We have taken unprecedented action. Look, the border is not open. Fox News can now confirm that Jose Antonio Barra was busted last year in New York City. But ICE didn't even have time to put in a detainer on him because, hey, he was already back out on the street. So there you have it. By the way, I think a very devastating ad to Biden and company, which is exactly why it's so important. Now, again, to Jose Antonio Abera, according to the affidavit that's been sworn, he used an object to quote uh, for disfiguring her skull. He tried to conceal the death quote by dragging the victim to a secluded area. Now, to all that you heard, Alejandro Mayorkas, that's the guy that Ken Buck and Mike Gallagher and uh, uh, McClintock out in, in California said that we, we can't remove them. There's no high crimes and misdemeanors. Yet you have these situations where people are being murdered, innocent people murdered by the people that Alejandro Mayorkas, following orders or not, his rules and policies have allowed them to stay. Because know this about Jose Antonio Embarra. He entered the country illegally in 2022. He was flagged for removal. This according to immigration records, but was later granted parole and provided a work permit under the Biden administration. Nielsen Trejo Granados, the 25-year-old Salvadorian illegal immigrant that is implicated in the murder of this two-year-old boy. On November 2nd, 2022, the Department of Justice immigration judge in Newark, New Jersey, ordered Trejos Granados removed from the United States. According to ICE records obtained by Fox 5, the Montgomery County Police Department, that's in Maryland, arrested Trejo Granados March 21st of 2023, charging him with theft. While those charges remain pending, ICE learned about it and issued an immigration detainer on Trejos Granados with the Montgomery County Detention Center on March 22nd, 2023. However, the Montgomery County Detention Center refused to honor the detainer and released Trejos Granados on March 27th. He was arrested again on September 26, 2023, again charged with theft, an attempt to obstruct and hindering. ICE then issued an immigration detainer with the same MCDS, that's the Montgomery County Detention Center, once more on September 27, 2023. However, they again released him from custody on October 12th. A day after his most recent arrest was announced, there was a, the immigration retainer was an, again issued against Trejo Granados, 
with the Prince George's County Detention Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. But yet, he was still allowed to go out and murder a two-year-old. Yes, let's talk about whether or not we're trying to make black people slaves again and why IVF should be the most important issue while two-year-olds and Dean List nursing students are being murdered in cold blood because they don't want you to think about or recognize what's really happening and what's important at the border. Now, we've talked about the desire to rewrite history. And I, I barely scratched the surface on this. We'll have to get to these tomorrow. But when we get back, I have to share this. I mentioned this the other day. It is a, a reporter from Politico who said that she's kind of figured out the key to what's really going wrong in our country. And it has to do with these Christian nationalists who, according to her, just their beliefs are not rooted in any reality. I'll share what she had to say and you see what you think. The Regular Joe Radio Show. Welcome back. Joe Jagans, here at the Joe here. I got to do this really, really fast because uh, I want to get two sound bites in in this last segment that I think are both worth listening to. There's a big powwow at the White House yesterday over funding the border, which is the borders of other countries, uh, although they try to claim it's about our national security. But the proof of this is in these words from Senator Chuck Schumer at a press gaggle outside of the White House after the meeting. Now, Play, you know what, how we do this. Play the very beginning of this sound, but here's Chuck Schumer addressing. I the- was so, so shaken by what I saw at the border. So he's so upset, right? Oh, my gosh, we we finally broke through. We finally have somebody on our side. Play the whole sound, Mike. I was so, so shaken by what I saw at the border. I was I was strengthened by the by the strength of Zelensky and the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian soldiers, but shaken that here they are fighting without arms against a brutal dictator who will just do anything to kill them. All right, and we can cut the it there. Intensity in that room. Just stop it there. So there you have it. He's in a meeting at the White House, ostensibly about pushing a border security bill, and he admits it. He's more worried about what what's happening in Ukraine while he tries to complete, talk about tone deaf to our border. And then there's Heidi Prisbala. She's a political politico journalist. Now, this she said this on MSNBC last week. I mentioned it. I want you to hear this. She thinks this is the real problem of why we're dealing with these Christian nationalists. The one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, is that they believe that our rights Mm -hmm. as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. Now, there's a crazy thought. She's saying the real issue here is these crazy people that have the audacity to believe that our rights come from God. You know, like a sentence like, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's called the Declaration of Independence. But again, in the world where nobody wants to stand up to them, they can rewrite any part of history they'd like. Well, that is, except for with you and me, the merry band of regulars, we the people. This is why it is so important to do as we talk about each and every day and to live life 
boldly. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Regular Joe Show.